3: to the Early Line. We are live right here on Sports Grid on a Monday morning. I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by Donnie Wrightside, and we are almost through
4: two weeks of the NFL season. DRS, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. And by the way, I know this show, Kevin, is called The Early Line, but there is a show in the afternoon that we do together called Money Line. And if you want to talk about Money Line's cash and tickets on this (laughs) show Friday morning, I hope you tuned in and got a spoonful of that. Me, myself, and K. What three and one now combined on the season yeah. on our money line predictions? That's tremendous stuff.
3: I I'd also uh, appreciate that you are right back to the hot starts with the money line dogs two and zero for yourself. with The team. Jags coming in, the Arizona Cardinals uh, and the Raiders. The Cardinals never in doubt. We'll get there. Man. But we start with the biggest story coming out of Week Two of the NFL season, which is that Trey Lance's season is over a broken ankle that will require season-ending surgery now sees Jimmy Garoppolo enter as the quarterback for San Francisco. They beat the Seattle Seahawks yesterday 27 to 7.
4: Yeah, but it's pretty crazy because we spent the entire offseason, Kevin, trying to line up Jimmy Garoppolo. Will he be back? Will he be traded? He ends up coming back. Is Trey Lance going to have to look over his shoulder? I was actually going to enjoy the 49 ers season, not because we had any wagers or because we're trying to get after it, but you wanted to see how Trey Lance was actually going to work out, finally seeing him be a starting quarterback, what we anticipated being the full year. He barely makes it through a game and a half. Now he's down for the season, and here we go. The reason why he signed Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers was to have a chance at making the playoffs. Let's see if it makes it happen.
3: Jimmy G and the Niners, 18-1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Super Bowl. We know that this team has had plenty of success with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's fair to say they do believe their ceiling is capped with Jimmy G. Again, it's why they went and traded for Trey Lance. As we said, though, this was a wild Week 2 with three massive, unbelievable comebacks. The New York Jets, with less than two minutes remaining, Trailing 30 to 17 beat the Cleveland Browns outright. The Arizona Cardinals down 20-0 at half, win in overtime, 29-23 over the Vegas Raiders. And then incredibly, Tua and the Dolphins come back versus the Baltimore Ravens. A an electric game that sees Tua Tongavailoa Donnie toss six
4: touchdown passes, including the game winner, to Jalen Waddell. Absolutely incredible football games here, Kevin. And we joke so many times about the NBA. Ah, 20-point lead, just watch the final two minutes. This will be a tie game. My goodness, was that true on Sunday? Mm-hmm. And I guess you add the, ad- the added intensity, because most of these teams don't play that many players in the preseason. This is what you get. Hot halves, cold halves, good stretches, bad stretches. A phenomenal day overall for viewing purposes in the NFL. Joe
3: Flacco making the top headlines right away, but uh, he was excellent in the game. And Garrett Wilson, rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State for the Jets, was awesome in that matchup as well. Sunday night football featured the longest rivalry in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, though the state of this rivalry for a long time now has been the Packers beating up with the Bears. And. Well, that continued 27-10, to the final score. Aaron Rodgers tosses two touchdowns, one to his number one wide receiver, Alan Lazard.
4: Yeah, and it just seems like they they haven't beat him. Talking about the Chicago Bears since like 1981, it feels like. You want to talk about owning a team and owning a city? It's Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. who owns the Bears. It's certainly true.
3: Our radio audience is here on a Monday morning. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wright side with you on the early line, XM. Down 159. I will say with that Bears game that ultimately went under the number, an insane play call from the Bears on shotgun to try and run a quarterback power with Justin Fields on the inch yard line. But also, they probably got into the end zone. All of that was yeah. tough to watch. The Bucks and the Saints battled in what I believe was the game of the week. And, Boy, did this thing turn at the end of it. One of the lowest scoring games you will see through the opening three quarters. It was a 3-3 tied football game. Tom Brady found Brashad Perriman, and then Jameis Winston found a bunch of Tampa Bay Buccaneers finishing this game with three interceptions,
4: including a pick six. Defense, 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 and more defense. That's the Tampa Bay Bucs calling card right now. Until that offense gets in out of its own way and starts to get healthy here, that's an impressive win on a horror house for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they move forward. Now two and zero oh in the season, and not mm-hmm. even sh- reaching their stride at all, Kevin, on the offensive side of the ball yet. Only one hundred and ninety passing yards.
3: To your point, for Tom Brady. Mm-hmm in this football game how about Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys they beat the Cincinnati Bengals outright catching a touchdown in their own building Cooper Rush is now 2 and 0 as an NFL starter with the Dallas
4: Cowboys Yeah, how about that, too? And I think we told you late in the week last week, we're saying, hey, man, this should be an easy win for the Cincinnati Bengals. But at the same time, that number sitting over a touchdown, we were feeling the boys in 20 to 17 late field goal. They hold on big win for the Cowboys season saving win, possibly for those Cowboys. Joe
3: Burrow sacked six times in this game, 13 times this season well on his way to being the most sacked quarterback in a single season ever uh, how about in the afc south the jacksonville jaguars sit atop the division as they beat the colts outright putting a shutout on the board 24 nothing matt
4: ryan threw three picks yeah matt ryan horrendous through two weeks here it's only going to get worse it feels like for the colts quarterback
3: Also, how about in the WNBA? The Vegas Aces last night become the WNBA champions, beating the Connecticut Sun 78-71. Chelsea Gray wins finals MVP. We're talking about the Trey Lance injury next.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: Yesterday, there was a major injury in the NFL, and it's very odd how much the storylines all come together. We spend so much of the offseason talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and where he will play football next, and he ends up back in San Francisco. And incredibly, Jimmy Garoppolo could have been on the move this week. If Jerry Jones was honest about the Dak Prescott timeline, it's not a ridiculous thought that Jimmy Garoppolo right now could be a Dallas Cowboy. But a broken ankle for Trey Lance as Jimmy Garoppolo once again, the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. They beat the Seattle Seahawks 27-7 to yesterday. A touchdown through the air and actually one on the ground for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's back under center for San Fran.
4: Yeah, wild NFL. And this is what we talk about where you can get injuries and you need a solid backup. Now, Kevin, both myself and yourself, As we lined up the San Francisco 49ers for the season, figuring Trey Lance would be the quarterback. Getting into the playoffs, thought they would. I thought they might not make it into the playoffs. Tough division here. And I didn't know what I was going to get out of Trey Lance. So it's kind of interesting here that Trey Lance gets injured and you feel a little more confident, not on the 49ers for me anyway, winning the championship or maybe even making an NFC championship. But I do think there's a legitimate chance now that the, the 49ers might be a better regular season teams with no more of those ebbs and flows like, hey, Trey Lance was really good for two weeks, Clunker really good one week, Clunker the next week. You're not going to get that with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be pretty steady. He's not going to go out and win you football games, but I do think he's at steady hand. And he's been around the block multiple times here with Kyle Shanahan in that offense. But that injury, and also when you watch cuz i was watching the game live at the time it goes down you don't really think too much of it guys roll around the pocket and or excuse me roll off the pile and all of a sudden you see the reports oh no he's not getting up and you watch the replay That leg wasn't going in the right direction, or should we say the ankle at that point. That's a devastating injury, Kevin, because it's not so much as where you say it's devastating on the season, right? The 49ers probably still have a pretty good season with Jimmy Garoppolo, but this was your franchise guy. This was a season where you wanted to see what he could do and if he was your true franchise guy for the next 10 to 15 years in San Francisco. And now you have to wait again. And how much football, Kevin, has Trey Lance actually played over the past like five years? Very little
3: it's oh absolutely so and that's really you know big picture view for the Niners this is a nightmare there will be some people who say that they're going to be better now that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback we'll touch on that notion in, in a moment here but all of the draft capital that they poured into Trey Lance they are now again not going to have a season with him as their quarterback and what do we do now when this year's over What if Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners cross the finish line this season, Donnie, and win a Super Bowl? Do they then, you know, wish Jimmy G the best on his way? Trey Lance coming off of an injury, how much are they going to trust that next year with the broken ankle, right? At the end of the day, with all of the, again, the resources that you pour into that draft pick of Trey Lance, how can you jump ship right away? It's a very odd spot the Niners find themselves in long term. But short-term, they obviously have themselves a very real backup plan here in Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners are 18-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. How many teams lose their starting quarterback and don't see their odds drop drastically to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> this might be the only one here. Outside of, you know, a team that's at the very – like if the Texans – or, you know what I mean, such yeah. a quarterback injury, it would the Jets, right, it doesn't matter. But in terms of a real contender – and that's because Jimmy Garoppolo, in his time in San Francisco, is 31-14, and 14, straight up. It's because he's been to two NFC Championship games and won one of those while going to a Super Bowl and almost winning that. Now, I don't think the world of Jimmy Garoppolo, if you look at last year's postseason, where he completed less than 60% of his passes through for less than 200 yards per game and through an interception every single one of the games he played – I think you can see why, but this keeps the floor for the San Francisco 49ers very high. I would imagine, DRS, that if I told you Jimmy Garoppolo is essentially going to be the quarterback all season long for the Niners,
4: you would not pick them to miss the postseason. No, I would not. And they would make the playoffs. Why? Because I know what I'm getting out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And as we talk about like, the ceiling isn't as high as what it would have been under Trey Lance. Imagine if it just clicked for Trey Lance this year with the wheels that he has, the strong arm that he has in Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. It might have been something magical, but it also might have been something devastatingly bad where it's like, boy, we might have overdrafted this guy. Certainly not working out. But the one thing that you can bank on, if you have Jimmy Garoppolo, you just need him to be average. Why? Kevin, that defense is really good. You see the score yesterday, 27-7. to 7. That didn't even tell the picture. And quite frankly, the Seattle Seahawks didn't even score an offensive point in that game. It was a short chip mm-hmm. shot field goal that got blocked and returned like 85 yards. So if you're San Francisco, you're now back to the mold of, okay, been here, done that before. Hey, Jimmy, we're going to put you in the right spots. We're going to keep you in third and short. Just make the simple pitch and catch, and let's get after it. Now, Kevin, again, just to back you up and give you a little kudos once again, Debo Samuel, four carries, <laughs> 53 yards. Now, having said that, you never wish for injuries, but sometimes injuries do help wagers that you have season long. The fact that Trey Lance went down, you now need another dynamic runner in your offense to make up for Trey Lance. That's where you call up your guy in the backfield. Debo, hey, just need you four or five carries a game. You could pick up 30, 40, or 50 yards. Man, that bet looks better and better every single week.
3: Debo Samuel has 105 rushing yards this yeah. season. And he has Wild. 58 receiving yards. He is on pace. I think he's on pace to clear his season-long number in six games, Debo Samuel, which obviously is a boost for the Niners because we were wondering a little bit how much would that portion of his game be brought back. They yesterday relied on the run game once they knew the game was in control. 45 team rushing attempts for the San Francisco 49ers. We've yet to see George Kittle enter the fold here, but it does act again as some level of a steadying hand for the Niners. This was my pick to win the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. One, we're not changing picks two weeks into the season. That's not how it goes, but they still have a chance to do that. Again, multiple NFC Championship appearances with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. It speaks volumes to the defensive talent, the skilled players, Kyle Shanahan and everything else that's there. In the bay. To quickly zone in on this game, the Seahawks, Awful in this football game, right? I mean, Geno Smith, 24 for 30 for 197 yards to complete 80% of your passes, to throw 30 times and be under 200 passing yards. Boy, that is a lot of checking down right there by the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, This is a team that they were able to use a fantastic home field advantage to get off on the right foot in week number one, but they are still, I think, going to be near the bottom of the NFL this season.
4: Yes, they will. And also, you know, to the battle, what do you want Geno Smith to do? I don't know. Throw to DK Metcalf with top five wide receiver in the NFL. Also, as Tyler Lockwood actually went over 100 yards yesterday. He's got weapons out there, but Pete Carroll always likes to run the football. Didn't feel like doing it yesterday. Apparently, Kevin, only 14 rushes. And I got to check the odds here for NFL rookie of the year. Kenneth Walker III, four carries, 10 yards. Oh, the excitement. That you have on offense for the Seahawks, make the move to Drew Lock. At least you're going to get interceptions. At least you get some touchdowns. At least you get some intrigue. But Geno Smith is Whoa, built for on. Kevin, right? 190 yards per game. Give me some upside, at least out here. No, you can't do that yet. Now you can't. Be. They were chanting Gino last oh, time man, they were in man. Seattle. They can't, yeah, you exactly. can't. And I think they would have been that- ch- chanting, throw Gino out the window if they had two touchdowns on the one-yard line for the Broncos.
3: You know, it's pretty – well, that's true. Uh, they play the Falcons and Lions next, the Seattle Seahawks, entering what I'm sure they believe to be is, you know, the winning portion of their <laughs> schedule. They're actually yeah. favored in this game coming up against the Atlanta Falcons at home. The Seattle Seahawks are, which is an interesting spot to, to see how that plays out. But, it, listen, if they're 1-3, in if they lose to the Falcons mm-hmm. and the Lions – Drew Locke will possibly I think could very well end the starting me off, game but by I game right back,
4: Kevin. So take that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're coming back. We're talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers here on the early line.
0: Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash
5: investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at slash metaverse impact.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Back
3: with you here on Sportsbook. Next week, we head to week number three, we're going to see the Bucs and the Packers square off. Two of the teams with the strongest odds to winning the NFC. Actually, let me see. Is it still the case where they're 1-2? The Bucs are 1 and the Packers are tied for second with the Philadelphia Eagles, might I add. We'll get to them later. It's all header tonight for Monday Night Football. But Donnie, both of these teams were in the win column yesterday. The Packers beat the Bears twenty seven to ten. The Bucks beat the Saints twenty to ten. Who are you more impressed by here in week number two, Tampa Bay
4: or Green Bay? It was Tampa Bay. It was Tampa Bay's 20 to 10 win over the Saints, which they had actually a 20 to three lead before that late touchdown by Michael Thomas, who seems to be able to score touchdowns in every fourth quarter. But it, you say, well, how could you think that was more, you know, Brady, 190 yards, Fournette, 24 carries for 65 yards? Because leading up to this game, I actually thought the New Orleans Saints would be able to win this. Now, those late in the week. Alvin Kamara gets knocked out of that football game or actually doesn't even make it to the starting gate. And you thought to see, like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of an angle, but also who was actually going to line up at the wide receiver position for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The fact that Tom Brady has struggled so much with the New Orleans Saints, this game was in New Orleans, which just felt like one of those games where you say to yourself, What's Tom Brady going to do? What do you want him to do? It's not going to be any explosive plays out here. He's really going to have to manage this game, and he did. Now, I'm not giving kudos to Tom Brady and say, well, he threw for 190 yards. His passer rating was below 80. He wasn't the reason why the Buccaneers won this game. But I love the fact that when you go on the road in a tough environment, you don't have your A-team with you, you still come away with a resounding victory. That defense is really good for the Buccaneers. Todd Bowles is the head coach. He's a defensive guy. They're ruling the roost right now. But hopefully, if you get Julio Jones healthy, Mike Evans healthy, Chris Godwin healthy, all at the same time, you might be able to do some things. Because quite frankly, you don't need that much offense if your defense is going to play this lights out, specifically over the first two games of the season. Now, if we looked at the other game, the Packers, and I expected the the Packers to beat the Bears. I really did. It was an impressive final score, but I know you already called out shotgun, big quarterback. I mean, snap the football, fall over six inches. You got yourself a touchdown right there. That game could have been a little bit different heading into the fourth quarter or all throughout the fourth quarter at that point. But just watching both of these games, I was very impressed with Tampa Bay going on the road and winning by double digits in New Orleans.
3: I think the takeaway on Tampa, on the defensive side of the ball, is that they might have the best defense in the NFL. Now it's early, and there's a lot more that has to be figured out as the season goes on. But holding the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints to 13 total points, both on the road, feels very impressive to me. And I know that the Dallas Cowboys are not looking like last year's group, right, overall, but again, still on the road, no touchdowns. That's phenomenal. And I know the Saints and Jameis Winston very banged up and Alvin Kamara didn't play. But get on the road here, holding them down. And, and you mentioned the, the touchdown there. The first touchdown of the season that the Bucks allowed came with three minutes and two seconds left in the fourth quarter of week number two against NFL teams. That's not usually how this goes. That is wildly impressive. And the offense for the Bucs, to me, I still think gets this pass because they're so unhealthy. Mike Evans ejected from this game. I truly do not know if they should have Lattimore or Mike Evans on the field when these teams meet up again. I mean, my goodness, the one of the like most ridiculous rivalries from a, a wide receiver and cornerback that I can remember. I will say, though, for Tampa, at some point, we need to see this offense wake up they are not going to win the Super Bowl the way Peyton Manning did with the Denver Broncos in his final season where Peyton was really bad benched at one point for Brock Osweiler bad eventually was able to get the job back and the defense brought them across the finish line into a championship Tampa Bay will absolutely love to see their defense be one of the very best in the NFL, but this offense has to get it together by, at some point
4: this season, the early results are bad. No, they are bad. I would love to take a victory lap going, I told you, Tom Brady, wasn't really into it, but this is actually one of the occasions where I'll give Tom Brady a pass because you still don't have a great offensive line. I understand Leonard Fournette came to camp, you know, 325 pounds, whatever they were saying, Snap back. He looked pretty good against the Dallas Cowboys, a little bit slower yesterday, but that's a very good defense they did go up against here in the New Orleans Saints, but they still ended up with a big lead in that fourth quarter. This is a team, Kevin, that went into the half barely could even get first downs. didn't score a single point. But you're also looking at the New Orleans Saints going, come on, man, if Tampa doesn't score a single point, he can't only be up three to nothing and basically only having three points till the final minutes of the fourth quarter. So I do think they will get it rolling because if you just look at the names, Kevin, on this roster, Particularly the skill position guys, if they all can get healthy. But that is a big if. We've seen Mike Evans have issues with soft muscle, you know, soft tissue injuries. We've seen Julio Jones repeatedly miss football games, and he's doing it already. But I do love what always comes out like ah, banged his knee up last week, you know, in the game, hit it. He's going to be fine. Come on, man. This is Julio every single week. Now you just land on your knee and you have to miss football games. It's not even any structural damage. It's just too sore and painful to get out there. But once Godwin comes back, which hopefully they don't rush him back, which we feel, Kevin, Mm -hmm. that they did rush him back on that knee injury coming from the offseason. I'm not panicking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not liking what I see on offense. But you're right. Put it in perspective. Opening day in Dallas, convincing victory. Game two, banged up, go on the road, an impressive victory over the New Orleans Saints, at least on the scoreboard. They'll get it together, and that's two big wins already on the season for the Bucks.
3: I wonder if at some point we're talking about Tampa Bay looking to strengthen the wide receiver room, which is incredible because we looked at it and we're like, man, this is a really talented group here. But Julio, as you mentioned, at this point in his career now, always banged up. When we're going to feel like Godwin's 100%, who knows? Mike Evans is always banged up. Gronk retired. This is not the wide receiver room that Brady was targeting last season, right? That felt unstoppable for a while. So does at some point the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front office think to themselves, hey, we need a little bit more in this room. Again, right now winning with the defensive side of the ball. For the Green Bay Packers, obviously we know they don't want it to add to their wide receiver room because they prefer to have Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard be the lead dogs, and that was good enough here in week number two versus the Chicago Bears. This performance to me was, to some degree, classic Rodgers, and not the you know four touchdowns, score every possession, classic Rodgers, but where you, you dominate early, and then you just put the you don't even put it in park. In fact, you put it. In reverse, 38 rush attempts by the Green Bay Packers. And look at the wide receiver room, by the way. Eight different players catch a pass. The leading receptions three for Watkins, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, and Christian Watson, all tied. Alan Lazard did get into the end zone, but I'm not sure if he's wide receiver one. And maybe, I mean, it does boost the room up, but it, this is really going to be wide receiver one by committee the Packers though 27 points in a bounce back 24 in the first half
4: were you impressed by Green Bay here in week two I, I w- not necessarily impressed, but the final score is impressive. A 17-point win against a division rival is always nice to have, but I think we knew coming into the season what we were getting from the Chicago Bears. And as I stated before for the Green Bay Packers, their schedule isn't that daunting because you're going to – maybe it is a little bit more daunting now because we don't really know what to think of the Detroit Lions who had a big win yesterday and you know fought hard and tried to come back against the Philadelphia Eagles. So maybe that's a team of a little bit higher stature than what I was anticipating. But just looking at this game, right, it wasn't so much about the Green Bay Packers, because I don't think the Bears are even all that talented on defense. They had a couple of rookies starting in the secondary, which is never a good thing against Aaron Rodgers, regardless of the wide receivers that you deploy. 19 of 25, 234, two touchdowns, no picks, passer a rating of 131. Now, as I say that, I look on the other side. Opening week, you had a monsoon. What did you want Justin Fields to actually do? Did enough, they got the win over the 49ers. Comes into this game, Kevin, and I know you have a defensive head coach and you're trying to play it close and maybe you want to run Justin Fields a little bit more in Montgomery. had 122 yards on the ground. An NFL quarterback cannot throw 11 times in a game without being injured the entire game. He threw for 70 yards in this game and an interception. A QBR ranking, which goes from 100 to zero, he clocked in at a 6.7. I feel like I'm going to be taking up and using excuses all year long for Justin Fields, Kevin, just because we told them in the offseason you didn't help this guy out at all. I don't know where the Bears are going this year on offense, but my goodness. like They're one and one right now. There's not a lot of feel-good vibes, and I get it. They went in the Lambeau. They never went against the Packers. But if I'm just looking at an offensive start through two games here, it feels like this is about what we expected out of the Chicago Bears.
3: The thing for me on the Bears – David Montgomery, 15 carries, 122 yards, 8.1 per carry. Khalil Herbert, four carries, 38 yards, 9.5 per rush. When you look at those numbers, there's really nothing wrong with keeping the ball on the ground. The problem was they kept finding themselves in negative yardage. Seven penalties for 50 yards. Well, at that point now, a couple of good runs on 1st and 15, you're still going to end up in 3rd and 6. And it's not going to be enough then to pick up the 1st down. I agree the numbers there on the final tally for Fields look and are awful. And, but he hardly did anything, as you said, through the air, well, which also made the end of that drive for the Chicago Bears so ridiculous. You know, Even on the 3rd down play, you're dropping Justin Fields back to pass. If, if you're just going to run the ball, then just run the ball. But, again, stopped at the inch yard line. And then, obviously, the shotgun decision was horrific. Everybody knew it in real time. But that's also why I do think Tampa Bay feels like the answer to who was more impressive here. As the Packers, again, final statistics look good. The Bears left a little bit more out there on the field. And the Packers, again, parking the car the way that they did in the second half of this game. I don't know where this offense gets off not trying to run it up a little bit and look a little more impressive. But 27-10, to 10, those teams will meet next week. We're talking about
2: the
4: comebacks here on the Early Line.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Week 2 provided
3: some unbelievable scenes. Three comebacks that were stunning. The Jets over the Browns, the Dolphins over the Ravens, and the Cardinals over the Raiders. Which one was the most impressive? Well, that's the question, DRS. Of these three comebacks, Mm -hmm. which one
4: was the most impressive to you? I mean, all equally impressive, obviously, in their own right. Teams that were left for dead, that somehow stole, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat. But if I have to say, one team I felt like put in the work and really earned it, Kevin, it was probably the Miami Dolphins. That fourth quarter in Baltimore, with those stakes on the line, and particularly how poor they were over the first three quarters, it just felt like Tua Tagovailoa really just kicked it into overdrive, and everything they did worked out. Now, having said that, I'm not taking any away from the New York Jets come back on the road against the Cleveland Browns. I actually thought they would be able to cover the six and a half, thought I looked like an idiot for a long time, but you still needed an onside kick in that game. Also, a blown coverage from the two minute. I mean, what were the Cleveland Browns doing in the secondary? It's under, what, minute 30 to go in the game. Just have Joe Flacco drop back five more times. Even if they end up scoring a touchdown, they score with, like, 25 seconds left on the clock and then if you take a look at that Arizona Cardinals comeback which was a wild finish in of itself and an amazing overtime fumble return for a touchdown winner I still look at the Dolphins game and I'm saying I'm so impressed because the reason that we like the Miami Dolphins this year Kevin was what they did particularly for their offense hired an offensive head coach 2 I'm going to give you all the tools you need let's go and get Tyreek Hill and it all worked yesterday Hill and Waddle were sensational and I love to see it give me the Miami Dolphins Offense for comeback of the day on Sunday in week two.
3: 35-14 in Baltimore. Mm, man. You would think is curtains for anybody. The Ravens are looking like, certainly if you were to press pause at that moment where it was 35-14, one of the best teams in the NFL this year. I was out there wondering what the Lamar Jackson MVP odds were going to be. 21 of 29 318 yards, three touchdowns, yep. no interceptions on the ground, nine carries, 119 yards and another touchdown. Unbelievable from Lamar Jackson. Ultimately though, the Ravens fell victim to something that also burned a, a couple of teams. It's just kind of stopping. Now, there was a turnover and down a turnover on downs involved and the Dolphins scoring on every single possession. Did not help the Ravens' case, but the Ravens probably should have kept their foot on the gas. But to allow 28 fourth-quarter points to the Miami Dolphins, it speaks volumes to two things. The cornerback injuries that we had talked about all week long on this show at the Baltimore Ravens were a big problem. And that will be something to key in on every single week until it looks like the Ravens are going to be healthier in their secondary. And two, and more importantly, the Miami Dolphins have an opportunity to be one of the very best offenses in the NFL no matter what you think of Tua who by the way has to start to to be changing the perception around him I don't care who you're throwing to 36 for 50 469 yards six touchdowns and two picks those are you know his numbers at Alabama all right not in the NFL but they have Mike McDaniel who is clearly going to be a very, very good head coach in this league. How about that welcome? Beats Harbaugh, beats Belichick. That's pretty impressive. And the wide receiver punch might just be the NFL's best. 22 catches for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell combined. Four touchdowns combined as well. I mean, look at the yard. 190 yards for Tyreek Hill. 171 for Jalen Waddle. Even if the Ravens were healthy, that is going to be one of the most difficult one-two combinations to cover in the NFL on a week-to-week basis on full display here versus the Ravens.
4: No, it was sensational to watch. It really was because when you get a guy like Tyreek Hill, one of the most explosive guys in the league, you need a head coach that finds a way, the right way to utilize him, not have him hand off in the backfield or a million slip screens, get him down the field, let him stretch that defense. And it was tremendous to watch. And also one of those franchises, Kevin, which some teams, you know, take a look at their team and say, well, how are we going to build an even team out here? Well, we drafted Waddle in the first round. That's good enough at the wide receiver position. They didn't do that. They saw a guy who they figured could be a game changer went out made a move paid him a lot of money to be happy and look at the dividends that he's already providing so far in this early season if you're going to get games where each guy catches 11 passes between the think about this kevin between the two of those guys they caught 22 balls and it was like hey one guy caught 17 the other guy caught 5 11 and 11 look at the targets 13 targets here to Tyreek Hill, 19 targets to Jalen Waddle, four touchdowns combined, and deep threats all over the field. It's going to be fun to watch your playoff because, Kevin, even as you say that, oh, the running game must have not have worked or been complimentary. Wrong. 18 carries for 86 yards, which is close to five yards per carry. Everything was clicking on offense for the Miami Dolphins. And you're right. This wasn't at home against, let's just say, the New York Jets or the Houston Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was on the road against the Ravens. And you are correct. Early season where... Maybe we don't know where these teams are weeks one and week two. When they had it, talking about the Ravens, that massive free touchdown lead, everybody was saying to themselves, here we go. The Ravens might be the best team in football, and over the next half hour, maybe that changed some opinions out there where maybe they're not the best team in football as they gave up 42 points on defense at home and blew a three-touchdown lead. That's incredible.
3: It really was. But for me, it was not actually the most impressive comeback I thought what the Arizona Cardinals did was unbelievable because I largely credit it to one player. Uh, Kyler Murray was outrageous in the second half of this game versus the Vegas Raiders. It felt like he was doing everything by himself, which I know is not really possible in the NFL, but that's as close as it gets. I mean, take a look at that final rushing touchdown that, well, it didn't tie the game because they still needed a two-point conversion, but if if you look at that play... I mean, the scrambling that he has to do, getting out of – like, you know, a lot of people joke about the size of Kyler Murray to evade Max Crosby, where he clearly looked like he was in his grasp. Everything that Kyler Murray did was incredible to watch. I thought Cliff Kingsbury clearly hit a stride in the second half of that game. They punted on their opening drive, and they did not punt again for the rest of the game touchdowns, a turnover on down inside the Vegas uh, territory. They actually turned it over on downs in, in overtime as well. But this is a, a win for the Arizona Cardinals that could very well save their season. Embarrassed in game number one at home by the Kansas City Chiefs and shut out 20 to nothing here in the first half at the hands of the Vegas Raiders. Now 1-1, and now you've got energy going into next week's game versus the Los Angeles Rams. And again, the reason for me why this was so impressive is there was a moment in that game where I turned to someone and I go, oh man, the Cardinals are going to regret that contract. Talking about the Kyler Murray deal. That's how ugly it was. I leave this game wondering if Kyler Murray is going to be in the MVP race.
4: Yeah, no, and you were talking about, forget about the one contract in Kyler Mary. How about regretting giving Cliff Kingsbury an extension as well? Those two guys are tied at the hip. You didn't want to start 0-2. And also, take a look at the Vegas Raiders, the same perspective. Winnable games. First game, if you remember, hell, well, they lost on the road to the Charges. I get that, but they had the football with a chance to win that game and driving deep late in that game. This game, twenty to nothing at the half at home against a team that looked the body language was all wrong. And we know sometimes Kyler Murray likes to tap out when things aren't going his way, but he pulled that team together. And also keep in mind, moving forward. This team, like the Buccaneers, if they get healthy at the wide receiver position, they can really kick it into gear. One of those season saving games. Because what would have happened, Kevin, if the second half went much like the first half? 20 to nothing. Maybe this game ends up 27 to seven. Real lackluster performance for the Cardinals. That certainly wouldn't have checked out well. But once they get those talented wide receivers back, this offense should be clicking and rolling. Heck, they got 29 points here, even though it was through overtime. That's pretty impressive itself on the road against the Raiders.
3: On the Vegas side, nightmare. Deserve to lose. They Trust me, the Cardinals are not going to the locker room and figure out this offense. That's not how this played out. Just keep going. Don't be scared to blow a team out. Why? why? Like, the idea of, man, they can't stop us when we're when we're attacking them through the air. What we need to do now to make sure we win the game is completely abandon that. It's madness. It should never happen. But the Vegas Raiders left the door wide open. They're 0-2. I, I thought... You know, I had a conversation with someone over the, the, the offseason about overrated teams. And I thought to some degree Vegas hit the description. If only because it felt like I, I heard more people picking them to win the AFC West than the Kansas City Chiefs. Somebody was going to have to finish in last place. They are now the only winless team through three weeks in the AFC West, DRS. And, and it was Josh McDaniels, Coach of the Year, they're not going to make the playoffs, I don't think, the Vegas Raiders. Is, is that an
4: overreaction to you as we sit here two weeks into the season? No, it's not an overreaction because I had the the same mindset where it wasn't so much about the Raiders weren't going to be a good football team. I thought their offense would move. We know they're going to have defensive struggles. They're just not overly talented in their back seven. But looking at this as a whole, you say to yourself, okay, well, what would the Vegas Raiders have? They play in one of the toughest divisions in football. So if they were hanging around the playoff race, I thought that might have been a great year for the Raiders themselves. But now starting the season 0-2, they're not making the playoffs in that talented AFC West. Not going to help them out here. It's a shame. You got to win games like that. You you to. to drop one on the road to the Charges. Okay, what did you want us to do? But you can't be up twenty to nothing at home here against the Cardinals and lose that one. That was devastating.
3: The last comeback was the New York Jets against the Cleveland Browns, down thirteen points with us in two minutes to go. They win the game thirty-one to thirty. Now, the reason why I don't think either of us picked them for the most impressive comeback. All they needed was Nick Chubb to not, you know, kneel down at the one-yard line, a missed extra point, a 66-yard touchdown, an onside kick recovery. Just a, a wild – some things that are not even in their control, right? And I don't think the whole thing falls on Nick Chubb. But yeah, But if Nick Chubb did lay down at the one-yard line, the game is is legitimately over at that point in time. And yeah, there's countless other things that had to play out there for the Jets. With that being said, what a – month. What a monster victory when you consider the tone that Robert Solis set throughout the week there, talking about keeping receipts for his team to find a way to go into the win column here, answer the bell a little bit. Flacco with his second 300-yard game of the season, four passing touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, when we get updated offensive rookie of the year odds, might be the favorite to win the award. Jets fans have to be overwhelmed with excitement about this win here over the Cleveland Browns.
4: It certainly does. And, you know, th- when you try to play it out at the end, it's very hard to get onside kicks. And so they got an onside kick. But also, th- the drive of the game, per se, wasn't, you know, the Cleveland Browns punching it in with, with uh, uh, Nick Chubb at this point. Look at this one drive here, Kevin. One fifty five to go right after that touchdown where they run it in to take the double-digit lead. Come on, you got to make your kicks, man. If you're going to be a, you know, bombing 58 yarders, you got to make a 37-yard extra point here, which York wasn't able to do. Kevin, two plays. What was it, 22 seconds or so off the clock? Corey Mm -hmm. Davis, that touchdown pass, 66 yards. This is simple. You drop seven guys back. You make them complete five passes, and the game is over. How do you have a blown coverage where Davis walks into the end zone from 66 yards out when you're playing a de facto prevent? That was the play of the game for me.
3: Yeah, I think that's understandable. I'll make this point on the Cleveland Browns. A lot of people looked at that early schedule. I think they're going to start 4-0. And here we go. They lose at home to the Jets as a touchdown favorite, basically. Jacoby Brissett, by the way, they could have still won this game after the Jets scored as they moved the football pretty quickly out almost near midfield. We know Cade York's got the big leg. Jacoby Brissett intercepted in this game. But still, there is talent on this roster, which was visible. Nick Chubb, three touchdowns. Mark Cooper, 100 receiving yards and a touchdown. In the game. We we'll pause on the NFL quickly to play of the day for Major League Baseball next.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.
3: Major League Baseball play of the daytime here from DRS. Quick headline, Aaron Judge continues to go wild in an unbelievable way. Two home runs yesterday. Uh, Aaron Judge, now the question is not will he win ALMVP. He's the biggest favorite, awards favorite, uh, that's active right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's will he win a Triple Crown? As he's actually now knocking on the door for the batting title as well. An all-time great season here from Aaron
4: Judge. DRS, the play of the day. Where's the value here on this baseball board? Yeah, let's take it over in this game. There were two games I was looking at. One was actually the Mets team total over three. I thought it was a little bit light. They load up left-handed batters, but we're going to avoid that one. We're actually going to go to Detroit and Baltimore here. This is going to take place in Baltimore tonight, 7.05 p.m. If we take a look at the matchup, and how about this? The Detroit hitters, Kevin. So many times I've asked you, one through nine, hey, look at this. Out of 18 total statistics, you have one in the positive spot. Not No, no longer the case here. How about this versus right-handed pitching over the past month? Green, a 186 ISO power number. Carpenter, 200. Scope 333, Barnhardt 188, Badu 182. Some signs of life here. Perfect. Going up against Wells, a right handed pitcher here for the Orioles, a 5.34 XFIP over the past 30 days. And right handed batters torching them to the tune of a 400 weighted on base percentage. But it gets better here. Detroit's going to run Alexander out there on the mound today, a 5.73 XFIP number over the past month. strikeout rate, which is terrible. And take a look at this. Equal opportunity, Kevin. Only over 100 batters he's faced combined between lefties and righties. How about the lefties? 453 weighted on base percentage to righties. A 418. Get this here. He's a left-handed pitcher, Kevin. But he's giving up a 524 ISO power number versus lefties. We're going to get some hits tonight. We're going to go over eight at a minus 110 in Baltimore.
3: Looking for some juice on this board. Yeah. Uh, again, you mentioned that Mets game there. It's just some, a team total over three for the Mets. They're going against Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. Uh-huh. But for the Mets, they're throwing Max Scherzer. So that should be yep. a fantastic game tonight. One update, by the way, as well from the wild card races. The Phillies jumped by the Padres as they have now lost four straight games and only are two up on the Milwaukee Brewers. So they're looking for some help from the New York Mets. Talking Dallas Cowboys football out here.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,